Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Friday, October 25th, 2019. I'm your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. So, a little bit of a strange scenario for today's show. I am not at home. I am uh, out currently, and the place that I'm staying, which uh, I got an event this weekend, the place that I'm staying which usually has internet, doesn't have internet uh, today. So that is why this episode was not published at its usual 5 a.m. I generally finish them up the night before, schedule them to post uh, early the next morning so they are ready for your commute, but didn't have any internet available to me um, on Thursday night, so I couldn't get it posted. So I actually had to, uh, or I'm going to, as I'm recording this, haven't done it yet, I'm going to, be going to someplace uh, with internet to upload it in the morning, and of course, I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere, so to speak, um, so not anywhere close to any like uh, Big B Coffee or Starbucks or something like that with uh, readily available Wi-Fi, so I'll probably I don't know, be searching for somewhere in the morning, so hopefully you're listening to this. The show got to you. My apologies for it showing up a little bit later than normal, but uh, I think it's okay because it is a Friday preview show and you got a little bit of extra time to listen to it. You got the rest of today and then Saturday uh, when you get up in the morning doing chores, heading up to East Lansing, down to East Lansing, over to East Lansing for the Michigan State Penn State game. So that's uh, that's the reason for the delay. My apologies. I, I hate when it happens. Um, had a couple weird things pop up this last uh, two weeks, but otherwise had been doing really good with uh, show timing. And we'll get back to getting every single show out to you at 5 a.m. throughout the entirety of the rest of the football season and the basketball season, so long as weird uh, things out of my control don't pop up. All right, on today's show, going to preview Michigan State versus Penn State, the Nittany Lions coming to town, land-grant trophy on the line, Uh, And we're just going to talk about this game from a bunch of different angles. Um, Mainly what I want to see from Michigan State, what some keys I think for Michigan State are, why uh, I I feel good about their chances to cover the spread while I feel, while, why I feel, you know, they've got a a better shot to win than I would have thought maybe even a week ago. And just, you know, how I sort of see this thing playing out. Uh, and we'll get into it just like we always do. Um, if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, recommend doing that, especially the segment with Kevin McGuire. Kevin host locked on Nittany Lions uh, and does a great job over there and came on our show and brought some good knowledge about this Penn State team. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I would uh, definitely recommend doing that as well as part of this preview action. And then at Spartans Wire, SpartansWire.usatoday.com. Got some preview stuff stuff up there as well, including my analyzing the spread piece. We've also got a bunch of basketball stuff too. If you want to, I don't know, maybe forget about the football team for a minute, wouldn't blame you. But we got some basketball stuff every single day of the work week from now until uh, the season tip off against Kentucky. We'll have a new post. Uh, we had team MVP on Wednesday. We had most improved player. Our staff picks for most improved player, and then today is sixth man of the year. Uh, all our picks for six man of the year. So that should be up at Spartans Wire, spartanswire.usatoday.com. And we will have forums coming soon. The uh, Spartans Wire forum, I'm not sure what it's going to be called yet, but we just got word that 
we will have forums for this. Uh, it should be soon. It should be like in the next week, week or so. They're setting them up now. Uh, so you guys can join that, start some conversations. I'll be on there um, doing some whatever, moderating and uh, answering questions, hosting chats. It'll be a good spot for me to host live chats, things like that. Um, so definitely looking forward to that. Some, some cool stuff coming around the corner. So, all right, that takes care of home co- or homecoming homework uh, for the show. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. All right, let's uh, let's talk about this game. It's uh, it's land grant week, and I am excited. I hope you are excited. It is a game that honestly should be moved back to the end of the season. Now is not the actual time to debate this. Maybe we'll talk about it rivalry week when Michigan State is playing Maryland and nobody really cares about the game, uh, as opposed to ending the season with Penn State every single year, which was always uh, a good time and, and had been, especially of late, a very important game. Oftentimes, Big Ten titles have been at stake. Uh, spots in the Big Ten championship game have been at stake. So, bummer that uh, this awesome rivalry game, the land-grant rivalry for the greatest trophy in all of sports, the land-grant trophy is not in rivalry week. Rivalry week, that's a tough one to say. But it is this week. Uh, and so, Michigan State welcomes in Penn State. Uh, undefeated Nittany Lions, 7-0, and number 6 in the AP poll, number 6. I think in all the polls, and have had, you know, a, a pretty typical Penn State season. They're good. They're certainly good. You don't get to seven and zero without being, at least somewhat good and competent. Uh, have absolutely had their way with some bad teams, and and have had to kind of put away better teams. Michigan, uh, Iowa, Pitt have had to you know close those games out and win one score games in all those spots. I think yeah, they beat Pitt by seven. They beat Iowa by five, I think it was seventeen to twelve, and then they beat Michigan, twenty-eight to twenty-one. So three one-score wins against quality opponents there, and have uh, their other four games really put the hurt on Idaho, Buffalo, Maryland. They destroyed fifty-nine nothing, and then they beat uh, Purdue thirty-five to seven. I think it was it was banged up Purdue, but it was yeah thirty-five to seven. They beat Purdue. So uh, yeah, kind of a. A bit of a tale of two teams uh, haven't been as dominant against those better teams. And it's not like, you know, Pitt's okay. Uh, I think anyone who's watched Pitt this year is, uh, has seen that they're a, a solid-ish team. That Maybe they win the ACC Coastal, which isn't saying a whole lot. But, you know, an eight-ish win team. Uh, they do some things well on both sides of the ball, struggle with some consistency, have some nice wins. And are just, you know, a solid team with solid talent. Nothing special, but are, are competent. And I think you could say the same for Iowa, although defensively they're, they're a step up there and probably a step below on the offensive side of the ball. But Iowa is another team that is, you know, they're just kind of solid. They're, they're all right. They're unspectacular. Michigan's a little bit better, a little bit higher step up in talent. But, you know, Penn State really hasn't played a team this season, like nearly, nearly as good as Ohio State, nearly even as good as Wisconsin, despite Wisconsin's brain fart uh, going on the road and, and losing a game that they had no business even being close. And and Wisconsin's good, but Wisconsin's still also not at the level of Ohio State. And so Penn State, I think, I think despite being 7-0 and and despite having some wins over ranked teams, uh, is relatively unproven. Uh, at this point, and they're not going to really get a chance to prove it until they play uh, Ohio State. They didn't have 
a non-conference game against a really good team this year to sort of see where they stack up, you know, Buffalo and Idaho and then Pitt. Um, and we already sort of went over Pitt. So, you know, Penn State's good. And I, I think they're good. I don't think they're number six in the country good. Their, their, their SP plus is, is pretty solid. They're, I think, eight on offense, 12 on defense, if I'm remembering correctly. Remember, I don't have internet. And then 20 on special teams. And so I think they're nine or 10 overall. And SP plus, which is, you know, they're a good team. I'm just not sure that they're one of the nation's elite. And I think the 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 way they beat up on really bad teams and the way they kind of struggle once a team can really not struggle but once they they, they sort of return to a normal football team level uh, when they play teams with a pulse you know I think that's inflating their SP plus just a little bit despite that I know it's opponent adjusted it's tempo adjusted um, but Penn State especially under James Franklin has always seemed to just play really good football when they aren't threatened. And when they are threatened, it seems to, you know, just sort of take a step back a little bit. Not a huge step, not like they're bad or anything, but they're just more mortal. They're, they'll, they'll be the most impressive team you'll see all season playing a team like Maryland. And then they'll play a team like Iowa and you're like, man, are they really that good? I'm not kind of sure. So that's sort of the the prevailing feeling I have about Penn State is I just, I think they're good. I don't think they're that good. And I think... As long as you can play hard and be a, a decently competent and competitive team, then you'll be able to kind of hang with them and trade punches with them and take advantage of uh, of things that they maybe don't do as well, and they're going to get some stuff over on you. And that's been the story of their entire season. That's kind of been their story under James Franklin, and I think that is going to be what plays out uh, this Saturday here in East Lansing. And I'll talk more about specifics here. Uh, in just a minute, including why I think Michigan State can absolutely stifle the Penn State run defense, so or run game. So we'll just do that here in a minute. So th- the Penn State run game has been, you know, mostly effective this season, and and they've leaned on it to some extent. They're moderately well balanced. Um, Penn State really likes to, and this is something that I I kind of admire about them at times, and at other times I find really frustrating. And um, if I was a Penn State fan, it would make me want to bash my head into a a wall. Um, They really, at times, will just be going for your throat from the jump. Like, they will, on first and ten, first play of the game, like, hey, ready to play the game? Here's a haymaker, and just take a shot deep. And they'll do that in the past game uh, often. They've got, I went over it yesterday, but it's like eight guys with catches over 20 yards this season. That's insane. And they've got a guy in KJ Hamler who uh, is a possession type guy combined with a downfield explosive threat. And they just really, uh, like, whoever is on the field for them, they're going to be looking to hit them deep and take shots. And that's something that I really admire about them. But then they'll go these long stretches where they, they just don't do it and they kind of pack it in and they get a little bit conservative and it's almost like a tale of two offenses and if you can make them try to grind things out you can really kind of have your way with them and that's what Michigan was able to do after the early uh, sort of onslaught by Penn State Michigan was able to settle and take away big plays and get Penn State into situations where they're facing third and nine third and eight 
every single drive. And that's just not what they want to do. They don't want to be constantly having to convert on third down. They're not a team that really plays for third down. And if Michigan State can do that, and that's what Iowa did too. Iowa took away big plays and made Penn State really grind it out. And Penn State was talented enough to do that um, and, and get out of there. And Iowa just didn't have enough at all to challenge Penn State on the other side of the ball. And so Penn State was able to get out of there by kind of grinding out an, an uglier 17-12 win. And I think that's kind of the way Michigan State should go about this. And I'm not sure like how they do it or if they really you know, tweak their game plan a ton. I mean, obviously there's going to be differences here and there, but Michigan State has always been um, a team that will sacrifice some stability out on the perimeter, deep and at the line of scrimmage, in order to funnel things towards the middle, towards the center of the defense, to keep everything contained, to keep an extra safety able to fly into the box to make a play in the run game at a moment's notice. They've always sort of, that's what the base defense does. That's what the quarters coverage does. And that's what happens when you put guys on islands. And I don't like the idea of Josiah Scott on KJ Hamler or any, any of the matchups. And it's not a Josiah Scott versus KJ Hamler thing. It's just, I don't like the idea of Michigan state's defensive backs lining up against Penn state's pass catchers and them just taking deep shots all the time and them the defensive backs having to turn and run with these guys and then make plays on the ball over and over and over again. And even in years where Michigan State's had really good guys, um, not to say that they don't have good players now, but like Darquez Denard, first round pick, you know, there are times where he would get beat or the the Notre Dame game where you just, if you throw it deep enough, there's going to be some pass interferences and, you know, you'll be able to get a chunk play here or there. And Michigan State has been... I think a little bit more vulnerable this year on the deep ball than in years past. Uh, we've talked about Josh Butler. I think Josh does a lot of things really well, but he has struggled in deep coverage at times. That's kind of his um, his thing. He's not really a turn and run type con- corner. He's a get up, play physical, keep someone in front of you, make a big hit, and be sound in that sort of aspect of the game. And you know he's gotten beat a number of times. Josiah Scott. Uh, has gotten beat, but it's usually someone who is uh, bigger than him and can be more physical, and that's not a major concern against Penn State, but I just don't like that sort of thing happening over and over and over again against anybody. It doesn't matter who the receiver are, receivers are, it doesn't matter who the defensive backs are. That is kind of a recipe for disaster, and Michigan State's defense has given up some really big pass plays this year. And so I think anything they can do to kind of limit that, limit Penn State's ability to take shots, and again, in order to take shots, you got to have time to let them develop. Uh, and that's the way Michigan State has really combated it. I would say the most successfully in the past is getting pressure. So, you know, guys will run open in the secondary, but the pass has to come out of the, the quarterback's hands a half second earlier than he wants because the pressure or his feet aren't fully set because of pressure, or he's just knocked down on the ground with a sack because of pressure. And for you know, a million different reasons, the quarterback's not able to deliver an accurate and appropriate throw and the, the deep connection fails. And I think Michigan State's going to have to have some of that because I don't see them uh, deviating away from what they're going to do. They're going to leave their guys out on islands and they're going to ask um, their safeties to have that run responsibility and play the ball deep. Penn State's going to try to attack it. You know they will. Um, and Michigan State's going to have to be able to get pressure. Kenny Willekes is going to have to have a big game. Jacob Panashuk's going to have to be able to create some pressure. And then, uh, you know, Antoine Simmons, Tyreek Thompson, Joe Bocci, whatever, uh, whichever of those three guys is on a certain blitz because Michigan State is going to blitz the crap out of Penn State. 
you know, they got to get home. Those blitzes got to get home more uh, consistently and more successfully than they have this season. Because Penn State has the weapons to, if you blitz, if you leave your guys out in coverage and they're able to let a deeper route develop against the blitz, they're able to hold up and pick up the blitz and have good protection. If that happens four, five, six times in the game, Penn State's going to hit a couple of those. And one could go for a really long touchdown and another could go for a 40-yard gain and another could get a pass interference. You know, And that's not, I don't like that as a way of trying to stop this offense. Cause if they're able to hit a few of those, they're going to hit some of those intermediate plays as well. And you know, KJ Hamler is going to get the ball in his hands and be able to make guys miss and make a big play, make someone miss uh, Penn state's going to get some stuff going with Clifford on the ground. Noah Kane's going to get stuff going on the ground and you just got to really try to limit their deep shots as much as you can. And so that's something that's going to be key for me is what is the front four able to do in terms of generating pressure and then what is Michigan State doing with their linebackers uh, in passing downs? Are they throwing blitzes? Uh, are they throwing blitzes on standard downs? How often are they blitzing? How successful are those blitzes at getting home? And what time? What kind of time does Sean Clifford have? Because, again, he's a young player. He's a sophomore. He is starting his eighth game. This uh, probably going to be, you know, it's, it's this defense, Michigan's defense, Iowa's defense, all pretty comparable. Um, I would still give the edge to Michigan State's defense right now as being the best of that group by a little bit. And so it's fair to say this is going to be his toughest test going on the road to play this defense in, in what is a huge savior season spot for Michigan State. And so you can't let him hit a couple of deep shots and get easy drives out of that. You have to make this Penn State offense drive. And I think that all is a roundabout way of saying that if Michigan State can force Penn State to try to grind this out and r- win it with running successfully, not like big plays, but just a, a consistent success rate on first and 10, you run for six on second and four, you run for six on first and 10, you run for five on you know second and eight, you run for six consistently getting plays on the ground to keep them ahead of the chains. I don't think that's a, a a recipe for Penn State to win. And so if I think Michigan State can force it where Penn State has to be looking for that type of efficiency on the ground, trying to grind out 8 to 10 play drives that cover 80 yards, uh, I think that plays into Michigan State's hands because I don't think Penn State's offense right now is fully equipped to do that with consistency. They're a little bit like Michigan State's offense in that they have talent and when they're putting it together, it's it could really look great. And I would say, without a doubt, Penn State's talent at the skill positions is a, like a notch above Michigan State's, and that's kind of where the difference is. You know, KJ Hamler's a really special player. Noah Kane, um, and we'll see about you know Eli Collins is a good back, but like Penn State has a bunch of really highly regarded recruits, really talented players, and guys who are probably going to be bona fide NFL running backs in that backfield, just like they always do. Uh, not to the level of uh, Saquon Barkley, obviously, but you know maybe a Miles Sanders type uh, Noah Kane could be. The point is, Penn State has a, a, a similar offense to Michigan State, but a little bit higher end talent. And the fact that when it's going, when they're clicking, it looks good. And when they are making mistakes and struggling to kind of get consistency rolling, they bogged down very quickly. And you saw both of those coins if you watch Penn State play Michigan. They were explosive, high-flying, scored 21 points in a flash. 
and then didn't do a thing for the longest time. And they were missing blocks. They were not breaking tackles. They were dropping passes. They were missing throws. Doing a lot of things, kind of like the Michigan State offense, uh, except for schematically, Penn State tries to not grind out big play or big drives, whereas Michigan State will sometimes still fall back into that. Um, you know, Penn State, like I said, a little bit higher end talent, but there are some similarities in Michigan State's offense. And if you can get Penn State's offense to a point where they're trying to grind out drives, that really plays into Michigan State's hands, uh, especially considering the way the Michigan State offense is playing. It looks like this is going to have to be like a 17-14 type game if Michigan State is going to want to win. And I will uh, talk about that other matchup. We'll flip to the other side of the ball here in a little bit, and I'll talk about why I think Michigan State can have some success uh, against the Penn State offense, but they're going to, or the Penn State defense, but they're going to have to do things a, a little bit differently than they've been doing the past few weeks. So we'll do that here in just a minute. But first, a quick word about my bookie. My bookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. Visit MyBookie.ag today. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate this offer. Okay, so I think Michigan State's defense is pretty well set up to slow down Penn State a little bit. I think Penn State's going to be able to get some things going. They'll hit some explosive plays. Um, but I think the Michigan State defense does match up with the, uh, well with them. And, you know, we've just sort of seen it over the years that when push comes, when push comes to shove, uh, Michigan State generally does a pretty good job against Penn State. That's, uh, that's not the thing that really concerns me or should concern you going into this game. Um, Michigan State has scored one or less offensive touchdowns in four games this season. Tulsa, Arizona State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. That is... Uh, Probably not going to get it done against Penn State. They're going to have to. The offense is going to have to put together at least three scoring drives um, to, I think, get this one done. You know, I think 17 points. If they can get to 17, there's a chance. They can win not a great one because it's really hard to win scoring 17 points in a college football game. But they got to get at least that. That is the bottom baseline, I think to have any chance of winning this game. It'd be really great if they could get four or five you know, score four touchdowns, kick a field goal, get 31 points. Um, they've done it against a similar defense already in Northwestern's and Northwestern, you know, has a pretty darn good defense and Michigan state was able to put some points on them, but we really haven't seen much out of the offense since the Indiana game. And so I think there's a couple of things I'll be looking at this game, a couple of things I want to see. And I think it'll be really important. Kevin McGuire mentioned on yesterday's show that Penn State cannot get off to a really slow start in this one, um, you know, have that sort of letdown thing, because if they get behind, you know, the Michigan State attacking defense can kind of start getting to work. And if you're up against it against that defense and they know you're passing and they can just get after you, uh, that can spell trouble for Penn State. And I think similarly, Michigan State really needs to get out to a good start on this one. They, more than Penn State, can't afford to have a sluggish start on offense and get down 10 nothing after three possessions uh, and have you know like three straight three and outs where the defense is, you can already see they're getting tired. They're on the field for too long. The offense can't stay out for more than 43 seconds because that is going to absolutely spell disaster as we've seen yeah, about a hundred times over the last couple of seasons. Um, but another thing is just from like what they do well standpoint, Michigan State does some things well and it's 
it's what's been most frustrating for me. You know, I'm kind of the Wisconsin game's a weird one. It's sort of the outlier for the entire season in terms of the bad. Like if you throw away Wisconsin and then you throw away Western, right? The worst offensive performance, the best offensive performance, and kind of look at everything in between. There's a lot of similarities, a lot of commonalities. And when Michigan State is forced to kind of abandon the run, that doesn't bode well for them. And I know it feels like they are just running into brick walls all the time and the run game isn't getting anything going. But, you know, Eli Collins and Brian Lewerke both averaged over five yards a carry against Ohio State, excluding the sacks for Lewerke. Like, they were getting things going. They just got behind quickly and had to abandon the run game in the third quarter. And, uh, you know, this similar things could be said for Wisconsin, although they never really got things going. Like Michigan State, when they're running the zone read game and they're able to stick with it and try to grind things out, they can be um, efficient on the ground. They have been efficient on the ground in spots. They just haven't been able to be explosive. Um, And when you're not explosive enough, it's harder to overcome negative plays and holdings, false starts, things like that. And you know, as nice as it is to average five yards a carry, be an efficient offense, and be able to do some nice things on the ground, if you're every other drive having an illegal shift, an illegal formation, a false start, a holding, a whiffed block for a minus two, a loss of two yards, it doesn't matter if you can grind out and get five, six yards on all the carries because you're going to be so far behind the chains that you're going to have to go away from that. And that's what's really been killing Michigan State when they can stay on schedule and that's you know a cliche but it it really matters for this team when they can stay on schedule and give the ball to Eli Collins and get five yards and be in a good spot and picking up third and threes with slants and crossers they're just fine um they need to catch the ball better they haven't they uh the last few games have just been so many drops um they protect okay at times the 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 only times they've really struggled in pass protection, uh, glaringly struggled uh, as a unit, are when they're behind and they've had to abandon the run and just like a team like Ohio State or Wisconsin could just get after the quarterback. And that's when we've been seeing the real struggles there. Uh, outside of that, Michigan State's done a pretty decent job protecting Brian Lewerke. Uh, but if you get behind 17-3 to or something in the second quarter and you're starting to throw more and more and you're not able to use formations to keep the team, other team off balance and you're constantly out there in 11 or four wide receiver sets, obvious passing situations. You know, when it's an obvious passing situation to us at home, when you look at it, you're like, okay, Michigan State's going to pass. Imagine what the defense thinks. They know the exact same thing. Uh, and that is just so much easier for a defense to play that way than having to worry about uh, the run game. And so that's a big thing. Michigan State has to get off to a good start. And just kind of continue to be efficient and try to find some explosive plays. And that's the thing that I was alluding to that has to be a little bit different. Like they got to try to loosen things up and take some shots. Um, I don't know when the plan is for Julian Barnett to sort of be unleashed, what they're going to do now with uh, Eli Collins and Anthony Williams being the guys at running back. If Anthony Williams is going to be, you know, doing some different things or if he's just going to kind of stay in that backup role, but the Michigan State offense needs to loosen it up a bit. They need to take some shots. It's, yeah, I get it. It's hard to 
let downfield routes develop a ton if you're not feeling awesome about protection. Um, but they've found opportunities to do it sparingly this season. They've had, I think, some success throwing the ball downfield. And there's a direct correlation to how many times they throw the ball 20 or plus yards further down the field uh, in the air, not like a five-yard pass that goes 20 yards uh, after a catch. Like They throw the ball 20 yards in the air. The more often they do that, the more big plays they have in the game. And it's not just pass plays. It's run plays too. Because if you're pushing safeties further and further back, if you're making safeties be more conscious of what's behind them, that opens up space in front of them for the run game. It opens up space in front of them for crossing routes and slants, things that Michigan State has shown the ability to do really well. And so I really want to see Michigan State take some shots this game. It doesn't have to be every drive or, you know, they don't have to take 12, 13 shots or something crazy. Just take like four or five shots, like 30 plus yards maybe three shots, 30 plus yards, take a couple between 20 and 30, get six passes that travel further than 20 yards in the air, six or seven. And like you hit a couple of them, you miss a couple of them, but at the same time, you're making the defense have to honor that. And that's really important because as we've talked about, Michigan state is a team that is trying to live in efficiency. They are trying to move down the field, not slowly, not 15 plays at a time, but they want to go seven plays in a minute 42 covering 70 yards. They want to go somewhat quickly. They want to go efficiently and they want to go on time. They don't want to have to hit a 15 yard pass on third down to try to convert. They want to hit a five yard pass to try to convert. And so the more they can do against this Penn State defense to soften them up and make it easier to be more efficient, the better it's going to be for them. They're not going to be Michigan State's offense is never going to be an explosive run up and down the field track meet offense. They want to be efficient and whatever they can do to make themselves more efficient is something they should pursue. And to me, an easy way to do that is to take more deep shots. It Again, it doesn't have to be a ton, just a couple more to try to loosen up the back end of that secondary and create more room underneath for underneath passes and for the run game. Because I know it feels like they suck on offense, but the scheme is fine. The scheme is a good scheme. They do a lot of really good things, really smart things, really good run plays, really good pass plays, really good route combinations. They just drop the ball too much. They get behind the sticks because of penalties, and they miss throws that should be easy throws. They have the occasional bad play call, and when you add it all up and you're trying to be this efficient offense that you know just moves down the field so you know so many yards at a time, you can't afford to have those mistakes, and if you're always having those mistakes, you're never going to move anywhere, especially if you're an offense that doesn't have an explosive side to sort of counteract that where you can gain 20 yards in a snap of a finger. So cut down on the mis- mistakes, sure. That is obviously number one. If Michigan State plays, uh, again, I'll say this again. I've said it like five times. If you could promise me Michigan State on offense could play a relatively clean game, I'd pick them to beat damn near anybody. Like, like if they played a clean game, had like a penalty, didn't have any drops, didn't have any glaringly awful plays from uh, a missed throw, missed block perspective, they would move the ball fine on, on just about anybody, uh, save for a handful of truly elite defenses, and you'd feel good about them being able to outscore the other team, score into the 20s, and that should be enough, depending on who you play, uh, to be able to get a win. But you can't promise me anything close to that right now. Uh, And so I think they need to 
Sure, clean up on that, but try to add a little bit of an explosive nature to help counteract some of that. And that's what I'm going to be watching for this week. And I think they have a decent shot at it. Um, we'll see if they open things up. If it's, that's another thing. The rain. We got to watch that weather forecast. If it gets nasty, throw all this that I'm saying out the window. Let's put 11 in each box and it's just going to be a dogfight. In which case, Michigan State probably should be favored in that type of game. Just given that's how they, um, I don't know, that's kind of how they identify with football. Whereas Penn State's a little bit more finesse. Um, So that's another huge thing that I probably could have addressed before this. But I'm just sort of playing it as like, all right, we'll have decent weather. Um, man, that'd be fun. Just a mud bowl at Spartan Stadium. Michigan State wins three nothing or two nothing on a safety. That would be incredible. Um, I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, this the way that Michigan State has been playing. Um, I think they bounce back and play a, a little bit better. And I think the offense is able to move the ball a little bit. And I hope they do take some shots and are able to loosen up the Penn State defense a little bit and generate a few scoring drives and. You know, like I said, I think the defense can do a good job and keep them in it. And I'm comfortable, like I've written about, you know, with the spread. Uh, I think it, a lot of really sharp people who know more about college football than me really like Michigan State. And, you know, I kind of like Michigan State. I'm not sure if they're going to win this one. Um, they're not as good as Penn State, but I think they're in a great spot. I think they match up well with Penn State, and I think they can do some things to keep themselves in this game. And they've proven over the years that they just, for whatever reason, have the ability to beat James Franklin's Penn State teams, especially in spots when they shouldn't. So it's going to be a fun one. Um, Michigan State in a season saving spot. I think they kind of come through a little bit, especially for their coach. Um, They know some heat has been applied. They're feeling it. They know like it's time to sort of back against the walls, it's time to throw a punch back and, and try to get this season back on the tracks to whatever extent they can. And I think we see a really good effort. And, you know, like I said, Michigan State's shown the ability to pull out these games against Penn State. I don't like to rely on past results to predict future success. Um, but I, I do feel decent about Michigan State's chances to win this game outright. And I, I do really think they keep it close throughout the game. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Spartans this week. We'll be back Monday with a recap of this game. And, you know, we'll continue with uh, some basketball stuff throughout the week next week. And, of course, be talking about whatever fallout there is, whether it's good or bad, uh, from this Michigan State-Penn State game. So thanks again for listening. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. We'll be back on Monday with more episodes of Locked on Spartans. We will see you then.